welcome to this week's Comics Pals Reviews. This week, we're here to talk about a number one and a follow-up on a book we really enjoyed last time. Uh, so X-Corp number one and Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow number two. Uh, obviously both Marvel books, keeping with our theme of Marvel everything this week. Uh, if you listen to the main show, you'll know that. And if you want to listen to the main show, of course, that drops every single Monday. That show is where we talk about all the characters that you love and all the places that you can find them. Uh, and we also talk about industry news. And we do some pretty cool interviews with some of your favorite creators. So if you want to support that stuff, make sure that you guys are leaving us a review or rating on the platform that you listen to us on if that happens to be youtube hit that follow and subscribe button uh it's free to do of course like the video share it with your friends drop us a comment all that stuff free and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you so let's dive right into x corp this was a book that we were actually i would say pretty hotly anticipating yeah um, fair to say yeah we were really really into the book on premise uh, the fact that it's essentially, you know, the corporate side of Krakoa. Um, and it's, by the way, written by Tini Howard with art by Alberto Fulch uh, with Sunny Go on Colors. Uh, I actually didn't realize that until now. That's pretty cool. Uh, Clayton Cowles on Letters and, of course, Tom Muller, the designer of choice for the X-Books. Uh, yeah, so, again, we were really high on this book um, on premise what do we think in practice? You know, I had a hard time caring. If I'm being honest, I had a hard time like getting yeah. in. Like I was kind of into it at first. I was like, oh, Warren Worthington. I really feel like we haven't seen much of him. And mm. I've always been a fan of the character because I feel like he's different than all the other X-Men characters. Um, <laughs> and as we're getting into it, and there's, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of text. And I was like, honestly, I don't know how much I really care about Krakoa's corporate affairs. So I, 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 I found myself really having a hard time getting into it. I, I felt similarly, <clears throat> and I think it's because it didn't feel – it feels like it doesn't go too far enough for me. Where, like, it, it doesn't feel like it leans – far enough into the corporate like structure stuff that we kind of wanted to see from it because it kind of the first half is kind of that but it's not really that it's not really them talking about the business it's them like shooting a commercial and like debating the launch of a thing that we don't know what it is and it's like it's a lot of vague businessy kind of talk but it's not like meat and potato shit like the you know uh x-men issue that i feel like we end up referencing a lot in these reviews where you know um magneto and professor x and apocalypse and their crew roll up in their suits and go and talk to these world leaders right and that yeah. was one of my my favorite issues um because you get to the second half of it and it's like it's action you know it's like okay there's like this vague financial political threat that kind of culminates in like a very basic superhero ass thing of wow we the x-men zoomed in and pick up angel and okay cool so i i think the fact that it it tried to juggle those two things and doesn't really feel like either of them have much weight 
I felt like I didn't I didn't feel like this book had as much identity as we had hoped for or or maybe even anticipated. And I don't think that it can't have that or that it, it won't necessarily. This is only a first issue. It was introducing our players. It brought um, Trinary like into the fold and obviously she wasn't on Krakoa and down with everything that's going on. So, you know, if if this issue is just, hey, we're setting the pieces on the board and we're telling you the kinds of things that we're going to explore or whatever, that's cool. Like, I'm not sitting here and saying I'm totally off the boat. But um, like Phil, I found myself struggling to connect with the book because I didn't feel like it gave me a lot to care about, even though I do care. Like, I came in with interest, and it felt like there's not a lot here for me. <clears throat> yeah, I actually wasn't interested in this book. Um, I am very uninterested in, in the corporate side of all this, um, and and reading this didn't change that um i think i think what pete said really uh put the put uh, put the hammer on the nail is it doesn't feel like it has an identity um i re i really feel that um it, it just kind of feels like a a book with that happens to feature angel and um okay okay yeah whoever that is I like I don't even know who that who she is. <laughs> and and this book didn't really do anything to make me care. What about you? So I mean, uh I I think I generally agree. Like I I was so first of all, I like Teeny Howard. I think she's good. Um I think she's talented and obviously, you know, Excalibur um was really good. It, it, I'm not saying it's not still really good. I'm just referring to like the pre ten of swords stuff that was all really great um i thought this could be interesting for sure like again like most of us seem to mm -hmm. um but i don't think that it i realize now after reading the book it, it probably doesn't need to exist um you know a lot of times i say things like oh i wish there was like a one one book you could follow that could tell you what's happening in a given area. Like one book you could follow that would tell you what's happening in Marvel. I think that this kind of thing could easily be something that you could see going on within a, a story that's about other stuff too. Like, do I have to have an entire book dedicated to whatever Monet and Angel are doing? No. But if they were doing this, in the background of another title or if there was intersection that required them to interact with the X-Men and there was a corporate element to a mission that the X-Men were already doing, um, that kind of stuff I'm into. But I think a whole book about that is probably not what I need now that we've gotten the first issue. And I see that I don't really care all that much, despite the fact that everything the book does is fine. Yeah. The script I think is, is good. Um, I think the art is good. I mentioned earlier I was surprised that it was Sonny Go's colors, um, but he did a great job. Uh, all that's fine, but for some reason it doesn't come together into a package that I find myself caring about beyond this particular issue. And the ending of it really didn't actually do anything at all to make this something that I feel like I need to come back to. It wrapped up in a nice little bow. I'm cool on this now. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know how how much like corporate intrigue can really sell an ongoing book. You know, I think at the end of the day, like that kind of thing isn't terribly relatable. Like right. watching Monet girl boss for like 10, 15 pages is like it's interesting as like a set as a narrative device to set up where the plot's going i guess but like as an ongoing story like i don't know how how engaging that really is and to me it feels like something like this should be like a wolf of wall street type thing that's like the kind of story you want to see told here like maybe you see krakoa's corporate affairs you know land a deal that solves a conflict without violence or something but it blows up in their face and that's where the conflict goes but that's not an ongoing story that's a setup for a story i don't know to me this feels like something that should be like a short mini at best so it's funny because you took the words right out of my mouth and that's that's what i wanted this book to be and and you know who's to say maybe maybe it gets there um eventually but this issue didn't lead me to believe that that's what we're going to get because ultimately I think that is what I wanted out of it was like a Wolf of Wall Street type story that is just set in Krakoa and that is like you know again right um you want a lot of moving parts and for everything to kind of blow up at the end yeah but also I think what I want a book like X Corp to be about is not super heroics you know and like and maybe that maybe you know, certain readers or listeners will will think that I'm crazy to say that because obviously it's the X Men and superheroes, right? But I we've talked about how one of the interesting factors of Krakoa is that this is the first time the mutants have had a government and a culture, and you know this idea that like they're not just survivors in a human society; they're building their own society, right? And like finance and business and all that shit is a huge part of a culture, right? Like if you're a a capitalistic society that impacts your government, right? Like, so the idea that they have this extremely valuable product that they have a monopoly on and that they want to expand into other, you know, sectors or whatever and drive economic policy in Krakoa or whatever, that's fucking interesting to me. That is. And like, I, I I hear what you guys are saying is that working better as a mini. I don't even disagree with that. I would be happy if it was a mini. But I also think that, like, I don't think it would have to be. I think you could tell an ongoing story that is less focused on, you know, Monet and Angel and the gang going out and, and like, flying a big ship around or fucking fighting somebody or whatever. And, like, that is more focused on, you know, the kind of issue that that x-men diplomacy issue is right where yeah some of that shit comes up from time to time but it's more about what are the goals of krakoa and who are the people standing in the way of that and how are they getting in the way of that i would be way more interested in that conflict that they set up with you know that business guy who is trying to fuck them over or whatever if the resolution was an angel being like well my friends are here to pick me up on our spaceship so i'm gonna roll out like it would be cooler if he had just gone in all super friendly and confident or whatever and then said some cold shit and left like that's the thing that's the energy i want from this book you know leave the like bombastic flying island shit to the x-men proper well, and you know what a title like this does? It rouses questions that I feel like a reader of comic books shouldn't be really thinking about as much. Like, okay, so there's an X-Corp. 
does that mean there are other corporations on Krakoa? Um, like, how's that, like, you know, are they, like, part of the stock market or something, even though they're not, like, an American or European company? Like, is it a, a extension of, like, the Krakoan government, like a Chinese corporation or something? Like, I don't know. Like, you start thinking about these things that don't matter at all for a thing that, like, the premise once like sets up something like that because it's such a real world thing for a place that like you don't even know what the like the economy of that Krakoa is or whatever you know what i mean and and you make a good point because in real life like if if um say there was like a uh like you can you it doesn't even matter an example you understand that like in the united states you know things work a certain way you you're pre you come to the book with that knowledge so if they bring up a company you know if the avengers start a company you can imagine what that what that's like yeah you know it's america um but but yeah exactly krakoa doesn't have any established order to it so how do all these things work and i guess we're supposed to be led to believe that it works very similarly to everything else and i get that but krakoa is supposed to be different so like i'm actually more interested probably in the inner workings and the minutia which can be made interesting i think of krakoan business like where's sebastian shaw in this like there there are we saw some of those elements actually in marauders that were kind of interesting so i feel like this has already been done in small ways that uh in other books that were good and that made it seem like there's something there and there probably is i just don't know if this issue represents that yeah and you know what like when the United States was formed as a country, like all the rich landing owning people that came to the United States already had pre existing wealth and they brought that and they became wealthy in the United States four hundred years ago or whatever. Like similar thing here on Krakoa, right? Like Sebastian Shaw comes, Emma Frost comes, Warren Worthington comes, they've already got wealth that already exists on Krakoa. But you know, this makes it imply like there's opportunities to become like like Krakoa made it seem like that all these mutants are born equal and are similar class status in a way, you know, like there's mm. like, we have our elite inner circle that makes government governance decisions, but that's really it. Right. But when, with the existence of this, it like creates more questions about like, all right, what's like the societal order like there really then if there's a corporation where like you can get really wealthy or something, why don't more Krakoans do that? But like, I think that's the thing, right? Is, that is, to me, those are compelling questions. Those are extremely interesting questions, and that's what I think is so cool about Krakoa. So, like, I want to explore those questions. I want there to be a character like maybe a Nightcrawler or someone else who's like, no, like, this goes against what Krakoan values are. Like, this is supposed to be a utopia. This is not supposed to be us repeating the mistakes of humanity. But then there's also the question of, like, X-Corp clearly has some connection to Professor X and the council and the government. So it's like, are they an extension of the government? Like, That's what I'm saying, yeah. And, and we don't know these things, but I want to know these things. And I feel like a book that, that wants to explore those things is interesting to me because the socio the uh like sociological economic religious like angles to mutant society are the things that i think are the most interesting because like you know to to your point right like if the mutants are this race of you know they live on paradise all their needs are met they live forever like would you just have a race of children? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Like, 
and I'm not saying that like you need to have business or whatever to drive the world forward, but I, but I'm asking the question of like we don't know what the societal structure is, and the idea that like you know maybe Krakoa is that way, but at the end of the day, they are a player on the world market, and like you said, they have people who come from old money and the old world of wealth and owning things, and they're bringing that to Krakoa. So like I think the idea of there being like a culture clash between those two ideals is extremely compelling. And like, I would love to see what, what, um, you know, angel says challenged the idea of like, Oh, you want to make us pick between being good guys and good business people. And we don't have to pick we're both. And it's like, can you be, are you like, those are good questions. Those are, that's narrative meat. This was angel gets picked up on a spaceship. That's what I'm saying. The things what we're talking about are things I feel like based on this issue aren't going to be addressed. And I think just on concept alone, these are the things that are being uh, roused in our the reader's brain. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely has that, that vibe that this book is not going to really wrestle with any big questions. No. But we don't know. You know, this is only if the first issue. The second one could do things a little differently. Maybe this issue was just to get people in the door. Um, I wish it had showcased how it's going to be different from the rest of the X books, but it doesn't quite do that. Uh, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the art though. Um, so I, again, I, I didn't think this book, I thought the book looked pretty solid for the most part. Um, there were some sticking points though, like some shots of, of, of Angel and, and other characters, anyone who showed their teeth, at any point they just look odd pretty much especially him and the the business guy that he was speaking with i just thought that both of them look kind of weird um paneling wise i think the book is pretty pretty uh pretty pedestrian there are some cool panels and pages uh especially when warren is kind of like fighting with the uh he's dodging the the shots from the the helicopters or whatever i thought that was cool stuff um i really hated seeing the horses the genetically altered horses that had like, you know, metal legs and stuff, stuff like that just rubs me the wrong way, but that's personal. Um, yeah, Why? it was, it was a decent looking book. Just well, like, just out of curiosity, what about it rubs you the wrong way? I don't like to see animals. Um, I, I hate horse racing and stuff like that. And just the idea that they're like, not only are they horses that are racing, but their bodies are being, genetically altered and stuff like that and they've got new legs so they can keep running like that's just awful i'm not criticizing the book for that but it looks weird and it just reminded me that i hate that type of thing art is kind of pedestrian here in my mind i don't know i don't think it does anything interesting it, it feels kind of by the numbers um like nothing looks bad everything looks fine you know yeah I, I felt generally the same way the only thing that stuck out to me was as as I think the the colors overall are solid, but I thought some of the lighting choices were a little odd. I feel like a lot of things just feel overlit. Um, like particularly, uh, I, I think it's like the the when it's it's that the scene at the end, the last shot of them shooting the X Corp video. Like Angel's hair is like it's reflecting so much light, and like I get it, he's blonde and you know wearing a white suit, but like. I don't know. I, 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 there were a couple moments where I just felt like it's like, what the fuck? Like, is this like a British TV show? Why is the light so harsh? Yeah, uh, I fuck with the white suit though. Good, 
good choice. Oh yeah, he looks dope. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I also really liked the. Uh, it's 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 earlier on, but it's the shot of Jumbo Carnation fitting Bishop for his his Hellfire Gala outfit. That was pretty cool. Love that. Love a tease of the Hellfire Gala. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts before we move forward? You know, it's funny. Now that you said the thing about the horses and I was looking at them again, there was one that just has bl- blue hair dyed. And I'm like, that's a choice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like what, what would be the reason to do that? You got all these half cyborg horses. And it's like, nah, mine's just blue. All right. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Cool. Who would dye their hair blue anyway? A fucking freak. Sexual deviant. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow number two. This, of course, coming from Chip Zdarsky, who was writing it, with Pasquale Ferry on art and Matt Hollingsworth, who did the colors. Uh, this was an issue that, or a book that I think kind of divided the pals last time around, uh, but this issue very much ramps things up from where the first one left off. So, um, Pete, why don't you talk to us about how you felt about this issue? Yeah, so I, I was high on the first issue. Um, as I said on the main show this week, I, I really like What If and Elseworlds just as a concept. Um, I really appreciate getting to kind of um, take advantage of of the of what comics are, right? Like we had that interview with Ron where he was saying how like one of the fun things about comics is that you have all these pieces, right? You have all these toys to play with and put on the board and knock up and set down or set up and knock down. And um, this is, I think one of those, what if stories that like you hear the pitch and you're like, how is, how hasn't this been done before? Like how, you know, like how haven't we had this specific take on this story told somewhere before? Um, and, and for me, it, it really like struck, struck a chord, um, because I, I really like Chip's, uh, take on Spider-Man. I feel like he and I are very aligned in terms of like, what are the runs that we look at as being core and like, you know, like he writes Peter the way I think of Peter and the way I remember him, you know? So, um, to me, this feels like a very like authentic take on on how this story could play out um and and watching like you said Sean uh things really escalate in this issue um I thought was cool because the first issue is very like up until the the end the reveal it's very it's played very straight you know yeah. uh it feels very much like a Spider-Man issue of that time and when you know the spoilers for the end of the last issue right like Aunt May is killed and Peter kill somebody right like that feels like a supernatural escalation to this place especially given you know where he is in terms of his bonding to the to the symbiote and everything um so getting here and seeing him like you know uh like go and and attack jonah and like just ice a couple more of his villains and you know like it uh it it goes to where, you know, we figured it would go quicker than I thought it would, which is actually more interesting to me because I figured that this kind of stuff would be the pinnacle of the story. Like, it would be he would slowly get to the point where he kills, you know, everybody in the Sinister Six or whatever, and it feels like that's where we're going next issue already, you know? So it's kind of like 
I'm it makes me way more interested to see what the end point of Chip's story is and is it like a resolution or is it seeing like oh everything really goes to hell yeah J. Jonah Jameson is right all along Spider-Man is a menace (laughs) he's been validated I love I love this scene when you know he's like, "Isn't this what you wanted? Didn't you want me to be a monster?" Like it's like, "Fuck, Jesus, Peter." <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I will say is Peter Parker's scary in this issue. Hell, there's yeah. that one panel where Mary J. Watson walks in on his apartment and she sees him like sleeping suspended in the air on like a gooey web, and he's like, "Oh, this is comfortable for me." It's like, "Jesus, dude, you're not even human anymore." It, like I got a um. I got strong The Fly uh, kind of tones reading this. Uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly with Jeff Goldblum because uh, it just feels like he's this unnatural monster at this point. And it, it does escalate to Pete's point. You know, uh, and, and, and there's moments where it subverts the reader's expectation in an excellent way, like when he confronts Kingpin. And Kingpin is a character who has a chessboard and, you know, he's got everything figured out, but not this time. Like, he can't play Peter Parker. Peter Parker ices him. It's that, great yeah. stuff. That scene was fucking crazy. You talk about subverting your expectations. Yeah, like, he's mid his normal kingpin fucking, you know, I'm going to talk you into a corner before I push some button on my desk and just iced. Like, oof. Yeah. Um... I I really thought that the the tease at the end with Eddie Eddie Brock um coming into the fold was cool. I don't know about anybody else. I had the thought of what if uh, they 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 make Eddie Carnage, like what if he becomes Carnage? Oh, ooh. that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I saw some conversation about how this could even make sense that Eddie uh, is still like alive because. At, remember, at the in the comics at this time, he, he was cancer. about to kill himself. That's it. Um, That's he later. Was, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was going to kill himself because he couldn't kill Spider Man. And it's when he connects with the symbiote that now he's empowered enough to kill Spider Man. Um, he hates Spider Man because he cost him his job uh, due to the whole Sin Eater storyline. And um, I, I think that Eddie's inclusion is perfect. I mean, you know, you can't tell a Venom story without Eddie Brock in some capacity, right? And even though this isn't Venom, it's the symbiote and yada, yada, yada. So I'm really interested in how they're going to play with that piece. I thought this issue was very good. Um, It's gotten to the point where it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people don't want to read this because it's a very different Peter than the one you're familiar with. But uh, takes like this, stories that, that take a character who we're clearly aware of and just go left, you know, a story we all already read, but it just goes a little bit left and how that could play out. I'm really into that. And Chip clearly has a great understanding of that time period for Peter, where his head was at and where he realistically could have gone if things had just happened slightly differently like they do here. I think it's perfect. Um, and I think the art matches it very, very well, mm-hmm. uh, too. This is, a, this is a total package issue for me. Everyone is one or two bad days away from being like the joker they just need a little push well and and i like the i like the idea that they uh 
they kind of contextualize that for Peter too, right? Like he already has the Uncle Ben moment. He's already uh, past um, losing both Gwen and, and feeling responsible for Captain Stacy's death as well. Like <laughs> this is a Peter with a lot of like blood on his hair. Seemingly he feels like he has a lot of blood on his hands. Right? right. And then he's at this very, very, you know, vulnerable point, And then directly right. Causes Aunt May to die. Like, yeah, of course. It's like, it's that one wrong blow of the wind, but I can't think of a better inciting incident than that. <laughs> Well, just the way the issue starts, it all talks about responsibility and great power. And he basically says something to the effect of, like, I have both great power and great responsibility. I am using, I am, you know, I'm taking responsibility by doing this, basically. And yeah. that's really interesting. That's a really interesting angle because he's kind of warping the words that Uncle Ben gave him to justify his actions, basically. Um, to the arts point, the point about the art, I really like that it does feel reminiscent of the era. Like in the last couple of panels, you see uh, Eddie Brock. He's got these thick eyebrows that were really reminiscent of like 80s Eddie Brock. Uh, all the characters just look authentic to like late 80s Spider-Man comics. That's great. They're also doing the things you expect them to do. Um, you know, the characters don't really act out in any way that's not normal. Mm -hmm. And then it also kind of like, like even J. Jonah Jameson, right? The way that he gets his hand broken and his first thought is to team up <laughs> with the Sinister Six to bring down Spider-Man. That's not dissimilar from other decisions he's made, like creating Scorpion, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, Kale, what are your thoughts on the book, man? You haven't said word one. Um. I don't. I, I guess I don't wholly disagree. It's a good issue. Um, I. Uh, I think I'm. I'm interested in talking a little bit about the color. Yeah. Um, and I'm. I'm interested. I guess more to hear what you guys think about it because it. And maybe this is just the nature of the book, but it, it feels off to me, and I don't think I like it. I love the color. I like. There's so many of these like or like oranges and and kind of muted reds throughout the book with the skyline and stuff. A lot of just darker colors. It, it reflects like a tone. So I think I disagree on that one. I I really um, I really enjoyed the colors. Uh, other than the script, the colors were the were my favorite part. Uh, the art by Pasquale Ferry is very good, but. Matt Hollingsworth is really bringing these characters out. Um, I think I, I, for me, they look really true to themselves. And I think what's helping sell that is the colors, especially in those, like really those moments, like in the bugle, for example, with the, like the, that, that sundown, I guess, lighting, uh, that orangey light. I really enjoyed that piece. Um, I don't know. Um, that's interesting. The color worked for me. Yeah, I, I think it did for me, too. Um, I I kind of like that it's a little abnormal because, um, like, I get what you mean. But I, I think the fact that it has some of these, like, very harsh colors and, like, the higher contrasts, to me, it kind of accentuates the stylistic choice of making the book feel, like, retro modern. You know, like, it feels like it's inspired by that style versus trying to ape it. And I think the colors are a big part of that. 
because you did have those more like odd muted colors in like the you know the 80s and and when this storyline would have been contemporary so i i i kind of um i i think it works for me it it accentuates the mood of the book yeah um I'm I'm all in on this. I can't wait to see where this where this story ends up going. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's it's. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's like a revelation uh, or anything like that. But it's it's very good. Uh, it's hitting all the marks that I needed to hit, and it's somewhat predictable. But I certainly don't have a problem with that right now. It's 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 doing it's good stuff. It's. I think you're right. That it's predictable, but I think it does just enough to surprise me that it doesn't it doesn't feel like trite, you know? And I think that's a tough line to walk to make something that feels so authentic that it is somewhat predictable, but not quite falling into that trap of giving me the beats I expected as I expected them, you know? Like the Kingpin moment that we referenced, that surprised me. I figured he was gonna kill him. But I didn't think it was going to play out like that, you know, and and that to me, uh, the fact that it's still getting that that pop out of me is why it's 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 like you said, it's not a revelation, but it's enough above the the good line for me where I'm like, all right, yeah, you've got my attention. I'm here for the rest of this. Absolutely. Definitely. And so are we as long as you guys want to hear it. We'll be talking about this book and whatever other books you want to hear us talk about. If you want to share a book that you feel we should be reading that we're not, you can write in at the comicspals at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Uh, we are open to reading any comic that's being published. doesn't have to be a big two book. We read more than that. You can check out our image reviews on every single Wednesday. We're reviewing the image books day and date. Thanks, of course, to Image Comics for that. Uh, write in at the comicspals at gmail.com. Leave us a follow or a subscription wherever you're listening to us. That's free to do and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. We will be back next week with more reviews of whatever books we feel like talking about or whatever you want to hear us talk about on our weekly book review show. With that, we're the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.